week's Adam Schefter podcast, we'll be joined by one of the greatest football players in NFL history, Jerry Rice, as he gets ready to watch his former team, the San Francisco 49ers, take on the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL Divisional Playoff Round. And in the wild card round, we saw the career of Buffalo Bills linebacker Lorenzo Alexander come to a close. A great career, 13 NFL seasons. He announced his retirement after the game, and he'll go into some of the reasons why he's walking away from the game and what he'll always remember about it. And we'll preview the rest of the NFL Divisional Playoffs with the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. But before we get to that... The coaching carousel in the NFL is spinning wildly. On Monday, the Dallas Cowboys hired Mike McCarthy. On Tuesday, the Carolina Panthers hired Matt Rule, and the New York Giants were in the process of finalizing a deal to hire the Patriots special teams coordinator and wide receiver coach Joe Judge. And that leaves the Cleveland Browns as the lone NFL team in this head coaching cycle not to have a head coach at this particular point in time. But the Browns have a schedule set up. They'll be interviewing the Eagles defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz on Wednesday, the Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski on Thursday, and the Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, who many thought would be in play in New York and Carolina before they went another direction on Friday. Keep in mind the Browns already have interviewed Eric Bieniemy, Greg Roman, Robert Sala, and I think the Browns would like to have a coach in place by Saturday, though maybe it's at some point this weekend. We'll see what they decide to do at this point in time. Before we get to Jerry Rice, I want to remind people to check out the First Draft Podcast with Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. The NFL Draft is on everyone's mind, and First Draft has you covered. If you like this podcast, this is one you'll also enjoy listening to. Weekly episodes begin January 8th. But before we get to that podcast, first we start off this podcast with the great San Francisco 49er, Hall of Famer, Jerry Rice. Now bringing in the 13-time Pro Bowl selection, the 10-time first-team All-Pro, a three-time Super Bowl champion, the MVP of Super Bowl 23, the Offensive Player of the Year in 1987 and 1993. I can go on and on, but there's no need to list any other credentials other than we are now joined by the great Jerry Rice. Jerry, thank you very much for taking some time. Hey, thanks for having me, and happy uh, 2020. Happy 2020 to number 80. And, Jerry, give us an, a feel for what it's like in the Bay Area now with the excitement surrounding the 49ers. Well, Adam, it is crazy here right now. And I'm sure Saturday is just going to be outrageous. You know, we know that uh, the Minnesota Vikings are coming in. Uh, you know, we're hosting at home. The fans are excited. So we're going to be out in full support of the San Francisco 49ers and, uh, you know, just the excitement, you know, being in the playoffs again, having a home field advantage. And now it's just up to those players to go out there and play their best football. Jerry, what is most impressed you about this particular 49ers team? I think it's just their no give up attitude. You know, they, they had to battle through a lot and I predicted this, you know, early during the season. I'm not trying to take, uh, take credit for it or anything like that. But I just felt like it was going to be something special with this team. And to be honest with you, Adam, I I, I feel this team should be undefeated. You know, they shouldn't have lost a game this year. But, you know, sometimes it's okay to win, uh, to lose a game. Then it uh, it helps to uh, bring that focus back again. They did what they had to do to go into Seattle to uh, get home field advantage. 
And they have done that now. Now it's up to them to uh, just get gear up and get ready for the Minnesota Vikings and just keep this show uh, going forward. Undefeated. Wow. This team yeah, they, they, they really had a yeah they had a good chance of going un, undefeated this year and I and I joked around with Stephen A Smith uh, you know because I was uh, I was uh, in New York and I told him I said this team is going to go to the Super Bowl and I still feel that way yeah you know you got the Minnesota Vikings and you have to respect that team but you know you have home field advantage uh, you know you have. Uh, the expectations uh, is sky high right, right now, and you just have to uh, continue to just focus in on your game, being the best football team that you can be, and uh, and, and just uh, win football games. Now, uh, what about this team do you think will enable it to win the Super Bowl, Jerry? Defense. Yeah. Always been defense. You win championships with defense. Uh, Bosa and all those guys, that defensive line, uh, you know, they're going to have to uh, put pressure on the quarterback, you know, cause the quarterback to uh, feel a little uncomfortable, uh, you know, where uh, he might make some mistakes or something like that. They got to be able to shut down the run. Cook, you know, he had a big game against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Thielen, uh, he had about seven catches for about 129 yards and stuff like that. So you you got to win championships with defense. Who's the guy in this defense that most impresses you in San Francisco? Bosa. Bosa is a beast. He's <laughs> an animal. And, and you, you know, the thing is, George Kittle, you think about that offense, you know, yeah. the physicality of that guy, Debo uh, Samuel, uh, a receiver that's not looking for uh, to catch the ball and just go down. Then Jimmy G, you know, uh, you know, he's like that captain of that ship, man. And uh, he's really he's been exceptional this year uh, with, uh, you know, just getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers and stuff like that, where he doesn't feel like I have to do it on my own. You know, he got weapons. He got all of uh, uh, all those guys to to help him to win football games. But, you know, just. Just, uh, you know, George Kittle, you know, Bosa. Bosa, to me, uh, he brings a dimension to that defense, and it, it's something I haven't seen in a long time. He can do it all. He can rush the quarterback. But then he, he got the, the ability where, you know, he can jump up and make an interception, come down with the ball, and then run with the ball. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot, you know, happening with the Niners right now, and I'm very excited about Jerry, it. Jerry, would Nick be able to keep up training with you in the offseason, running the hills, do all those kinds of things? Nah, I don't. Hey, Adam, I don't know he, he wants to do that heel with me, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, a lot of guys, you know, they, they have came and they have tried to conquer and stuff like that, and that heel wanted to make them throw up, and, and they, they felt like, you know, I always, you know, I would joke around with guys. I said, look, I'll make sure I bring out the paramedics or something like that, <laughs> just in case someone goes down, because that last 800 meters, uh, you know, to the top of that hill is going to challenge every bone in your body. And d- can you still run those hills as effectively as yeah. you could? Oh yeah, no, no issues. No, I, I can still, I can still run the hill, and I can do all that. I think I, I have probably up my, uh, my, you know, my conditioning and stuff like that after I have stepped away from the game because I, I wanted to be one of those guys to where you, you, you know how when certain players retired and then people see them 
Then they said, oh, did you actually play football? <laughs> right. You know, and, and I was like, no, you know, I wanted to stay in shape. And, you know, I've been part of my regiment, you know, my entire life. So, you know, I'm, I'm still challenging myself. I do a lot of CrossFit. I do a lot of Peloton. And occasionally, uh, you know, I go back to the hill and, and, and uh, run the hill. You do. Whoosh. Who's your favorite go-to on Peloton? I got the Peloton bike and treadmill like three, four months ago. Try to do it every day. What classes are you recommending well, to me, Jerry? I, I have Tune. I have Tune Day. I have uh, uh, Robin. Uh, yep. I have uh, Allie and stuff like that. They challenge me, man. And and you know to get on that bike for you know thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, or even an hour. You know you're gonna be soaking wet once you step off that bike. And uh, yeah, and and I like it. It's it takes some of the pounding off my body, but it also it, it keeps me in good shape. You ever been to the Peloton Studios in New York City? No. You know, I want to do one of those. I want to hey. do. I, I just want to, you know, show up and, and, and just walk in and, and, and do a class. Uh, I think uh, God, uh, Cam Newton, he did a class once, but he only did a 20 minutes. You know, you, you got to if you're going to go there, you got to do a class like, you know, 30, 45 minutes or something like that. You know, it's funny. We had a few Monday Night Football telecasts this year from MetLife Stadium in New York. So we would stay. In Jersey City. So Booger McFarlane is big on the Peloton. And he would say to me, hey, I, he, the first week we were there, he's like, I went to Peloton Studios and took the class. I'm like, you went? He said, yes. Yeah. So I said, well, we're back here. Can we go? He said, I'll arrange it. So when we were back for, I think it was the Giants-Cowboys game in November, that morning, we leave the hotel in Jersey City, 6 a.m., go to the Peloton Studios, do a class that morning in person. It was like going to the Mecca. It was like running the hills <laughs> with Jerry Rice. And then we leave and go back to the hotel and get ready for Monday Night Football. And I got to go one time, and it was awesome, Jerry. So here's what I want to do. If you're in New York, I want to go with you. Oh, I'm down, man. I'm down. I'm yeah, we'll go in there, and hey, we'll go in there, and we'll do what we have to do and and get a good workout in. And, and you know, I want to ex- really experience that because, you know, uh, it's great being at home where you have it in your gym or – uh, something like that, but you know, to actually be in a class, uh, I think that would push me more, and maybe uh, you know my numbers would go up higher and stuff like that because I'm always challenging myself to get better every day. Well, I'd like to do that with you. Um, oh, let's let's talk a little bit about football. Some of the current day receivers. Who is the wide receiver today, Jerry, that most impressed you? Oh man, you know you got a lot of young guys coming up, but it's still Julio Jones to me, man. And Julio Jones, uh, you know uh, this guy. I think he's around about twelve thousand yards already. He was the fastest to ever get to uh, twelve thousand, and I think he's only going to get better because of his size, his speed, uh, his jumping ability, and uh, and he's one of those guys that. Uh, believes in his craft where, you know, you can't cover me one-on-one, so I think he's only going to get better. Is there a young receiver, not that Julio is not young, he's relatively young, but is there a young wide receiver in this game that you look at that impresses you? Well, you know, I I look at uh, Hopkins uh, out of the Texans and stuff like that. Uh, Debo Samuel, I I, I like him uh, with the Niners because of his physicality and stuff like that, and He's one of those guys that want to get yardage after the catch, and I was uh, one of those guys that wanted to do the same thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of young receiver. You know, even, uh, you know, Element, uh, you know, what he's doing with the Patriots and stuff like that, yeah. you know, because the game, 
uh, Adam done changed a lot now. And uh, you've got to think about you you don't see that hard bump and run uh, anymore. And, you you know, you got to uh, that physicality downfield. You don't see that anymore. Uh, You know, when I played the game, uh, you just had to fight for everything. I mean, it was going to be physical all the way downfield. And, uh, you know, I really – I preferred it that way because it it really helped me know exactly where the defensive back is at, and I was able to come out of my cuts and and, uh, catch the football. We'll have more with Hall of Fame wide receiver Jerry Rice in a moment, but first a word from Vivid Seats. We all have a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. All you need to do is use the Vivid Seats app to purchase tickets and start earning today. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code ESPN25 for 10% off your next order. That's promo code ESPN25. Have you seen the size of Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf and Titans wide receiver AJ Brown, the two rookie wide receivers who play college football together? Yeah, yeah, they, they're they're huge. Uh, you know, AJ, I, I had the opportunity to take him to the hill, and we ran a little uh, section of the hill that was not like the full hill. But you know what he's doing with the Titans, then uh, Metcalf, what he's doing with uh, Seattle. You talking about big bodies, guys that are fast and uh, and very physical. Those guys are incredible. Really, really impressive the way that they. Uh, have taken the league by a storm. Now, one other wide receiver I wanted to bring up. You spoke to Antonio Brown before he was traded to the Raiders. What do you think his future holds? I don't, Adam. I really don't know, man. There's there's a lot going on. I think you, you know because you got to think with uh, the New Orleans Saints. You know they worked him out, but for some reason uh, they decided to go in a different direction. You know. Uh, when he was with uh, the Oakland Raiders, uh, he was doing well there, but then everything just went downhill. Then he goes to the Patriots. I think he's a, a amazing uh, football player, but I don't know if people really gonna want to put up with uh, those headaches. That's it, you know, uh, with him being a distraction uh, to the team. And but you know, when he's on that football field, man, he's an animal and. I think he could have did some great things, uh, you know, for the uh, Patriots this year. I also want to ask you about Tom Brady. You're a guy that played in the NFL for 20 years, Jerry. And you finished your career, which I think a lot of people wind up forgetting, in other teams other than San Francisco. You played with the Raiders. You played with the Seahawks. You even spent time in Broncos training camp in 2005 when, I don't know if you remember this, I was pestering you then. I was covering the Broncos back then, and I got to see – uh, Jerry Rice in training camp in 2005, which is something I'll never forget. What would it be like for Tom Brady? Could you envision Tom Brady playing for another team? Uh, you know, I, God, you know, because you never know, because Montana, 
you know, run a lot. You know, Joe, to me, is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. It's the same thing with Tom Brady. Now, does he still have that fire in him to want to still play? Uh, is there, uh, you know, is, is there, like, uh, an opportunity still with the New England Patriots? Or if he wants to go somewhere else to, uh, you know, pursue that? That was something that I that I had to do because, you know, I was done in San Francisco. Uh, the only thing I, I could have done was, like, retired, but I still had a lot of football in me, and I, I still wanted to compete. That's why I went to the Oakland Raiders. So it's hard for me to say that, you know, I, you know if he's going to leave or if he's going to retire, uh, it's going to be up to him to make that decision. What do you think will happen if you had to guess now, Jerry? I, I don't know. I, I wish I, I, you know, I, I wish I uh, uh, had this uh, uh, this ball, this crystal ball, or something like that, to see exactly uh, what might happen down the road. But I think it's going to come down to Tom Brady and his uh, decision. Uh, he has done so many great things, and and uh, you know, with the New New England Patriots, and uh, you know, he's the face of that franchise. Uh, you know, so. It's if that franchise is ready to go in a different direction now or if they feel like, you know, that, hey, we owe this guy the respect that, you know, we should let him come back for a couple more years. So we have to watch and see how this is going to unfold. But, you know, uh, what a amazing career that this guy already uh, has had. Now, Jerry, before I let you go, I need to ask you about the Gold Jacket Club. You're hosting this experience with Kerry Champion Hall of Fame Experiences, which is the official experience provider uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame for Enshrinement Week. And for those who are interested, fans can buy the packages at hofexperiences.com, hofexperiences.com. What would fans be getting if they get the chance to purchase a package like this? Uh, you know, chalk talk, uh, meet and greet. That's the most important thing to me because my, I always try to make myself available, you know, for my fans. And I'm excited about that, being the host and also, you know, uh, being there with uh, Kerry Champion. Uh, we're going to have a great time. There's going to be some other uh, Hall of Famers there. You know, Emmett Smith and also Barry Sanders, they, they have hosted this event. So I'm excited, you know, just to – let the let the people know that we're human, and uh, you know it, it's like uh, it's going to be so much fun because when you think about it, it's going to be the hottest tailgate in Miami. Uh, great food, mu- uh, music, all of those things. So it's going to be uh, at the God, God, you know, it's going to be uh, at the Gulfstream Park Casino and racetrack. So there's a lot going on. I'm already getting pumped up about it, Adam, and stuff like that, you know, because anytime I can make myself available for my fans, uh, I always look forward to that. Did I hear that right? Jerry Rice is human? Did I hear that? Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. That, that's that's it. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, for so many years, it was all about the fans that, that gave me that inspiration to go out there and be the best football player that I could possibly be, and I fed off that. And I, you know, I just hope I didn't let them down. Well, I, you didn't let them down. You didn't let me down today. Now we'll see whether the 49ers will come through and not let you down with your prediction of them going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're not going to let me down, though. You know, I'll, I'll be right down there on that field uh, this coming Saturday and, you know, getting uh, my my teammates all, uh, well, my uh 
my team all fired up. <laughs> hey, Adam, did you hear me say my teammates? <laughs> you still feel like you're a part of it, right? <laughs> you still feel like you're a part of it and stuff like that. But, you know, it's all about those guys right now, and, and I'm I'm really going to be there for support. And what will you say to them on the field before the game, Jerry? Because we were on the field before the Monday night game against Seattle, and it's like you're a part of the team there, and the fans love you, the organization loves you, yeah. everybody loves you. What will you. What will be your message to the players this Saturday? Well, this is your show. This is all about you guys right now. It's not about the old 49ers or anything like that. This is about the new generation of guys, and this is the time to put a mark on Levi's Stadium. And it's what you're going to do during this ball game. You know, are you going to completely buy into it, sell out, uh, have confidence in each other, knowing that you got each other's back and stuff like that? Get ready uh, to play this football game with one heartbeat. If you do that, you're going to win this game. Then you get ready for the next one. Damn, I'm ready to go run some hills with you right now. <laughs> Okay, Adam. <laughs> Jerry, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Hope our paths cross again soon, and thank you again for the time today. Yeah, Adam, we're going to do uh, Peloton, me and you, buddy. Uh, you got to yeah, let we, me know, honestly. I, I'm in. Jerry, I'm down and in. Let me know when you're going to be in New York, and I, I'm going to meet you there. We're going to have a great spin class together. Yeah, that sounds good, man. You take care, okay? Joining us now, the 13-year NFL veteran who announced his retirement after the Bills' wild card loss at Houston, Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo, thank you very much for taking time today. Much appreciated. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Appreciate you having me on, Adam. Well, here's my question for you. How does a guy who is an undrafted free agent in 2005 that goes to training camp with the Carolina Panthers with nobody in Carolina expecting much of anything have a long NFL career that just winds up now where he's a two-time Pro Bowl player, the defensive MVP of the 2017 Pro Bowl, played in the final 96 games of your career, the second longest active streak among linebackers before your retirement on Saturday, five-time Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, including each of your last three seasons in Buffalo. How does all that happen for an undrafted free agent from Carolina right, in 2005? Right. I mean, in my mind, it's only God's blessings. And, and, and what I mean by that is he's put um, great people in my life, you know, really just starting at, at an early age, not having my father in the house, but he provided my Uncle Steve, who's my coach, really played that father role and created that great foundation. And, and from there, uh, I can name numerous coaches and players that really poured into my life, my career as a man and off the field, uh, probably highlighted probably by Danny Smith, who's my special teams coach in Washington, and also London Fletcher, who I had an opportunity to play with in Washington for quite a long time. Um, but amongst those men, there were many others uh, just to really help me out. And uh, I think from my perspective was I really grew up in those first couple of years because I think like most uh, NFL athletes, you've been the man your whole life. Your whole life. And then for me, I got I didn't get drafted, so that was one slap in the face. And I got cut a couple of times, and so that really made motivated me, or really gave me different perspective on what I needed to do to raise my game, my professionalism to another level, in order to give myself an opportunity just to get a chance to get on the field or make the team. And so, with that, um, I took advantage of it. Um, and again, just always trying to stay coachable, always trying to learn and try to grow each and every single year. Even as I made the transition to multiple positions. Um, and just never got complacent at, at where I was at because I saw a lot of guys come in with a lot of great talent, 
but didn't end up achieving what they set out to do. And so I try to take note of the, those things, learn from their mistakes and not make it my own. And I'm also taking things from like guys, like I said, Larry Fitzgerald, London Fletcher, Kyle Williams. Um, it just list goes on and on with guys, Hall of Fame caliber guys, even this year with Frank Gore, that you get to be around and learn from. And so um, I think that's what uh, really allowed me to take, you know, a, a, a very humble beginnings, almost no chance, no shot to ever make it and turn it into a fruitful and productive uh, NFL career. I'd say, and you mentioned some incredible men there, Larry Fitzgerald, London Fletcher, Frank Gore, examples of what professionalism is about. And, and this year, Lorenzo, there will be a bunch of players who go undrafted. What would you say to the guys who go to training camp without being drafted, who are long shots? What would you recommend to them? Doing right. so, to make the team into having an NFL career. So there's two biggest things because you know obviously I've had a, a lot of young guys and, and I've had to mentor some guys. And, and from my own experience, I would say uh, one, check your ego because you're no longer the man. Um, you have to humble yourself, and, and and the great ones that you see do it. Um, so you, you need to be coachable because what you learn in college or high school is not necessarily going to work at this level, or it may be a, a total different technique that your coaches want you to learn that's going to be conducive to their system or how they found guys be successful throughout their coaching career. Um, and then number two, take care of the things that you can control. Um, don't walk in there with an entitled mindset of what you would maybe have gotten away with in college as far as maybe being late, not working out to your full potential, um, maybe uh, missing some classes or being a little uh, lazy as far as your mannerisms and how you approach your task that, your coaches ask you and your training staff ask you to do, whether that's rehab or lifting weights. Um, but approach it like a professional, like you would want somebody to treat you like the people that are working for you. Show up on time, 100% effort, do extra, ask questions, um, figure out the why, and then um, talk to um, veteran leaders that are in that locker room and, and try to you know, get an indication of what allowed them to play seven, eight, nine-plus years in the league and uh, really become their shadow. And if you're able to do those three things, it's definitely going to increase your chances of making that team. Because oftentimes, guys, coaches, coaches, the best players don't play on Sunday. They want guys that they can trust. Because obviously their job is at stake, too, and lives and dies with the production of their players. And So if you can gain their trust, they're going to give you an opportunity. And then it's up to you at that point to take the skills and the skill set that guys have helped you with and make the most of it. So what led you to retire at this point in time? Because it certainly looks like you could still play, Lorenzo. You had 24 sacks the last four seasons. They still counted right. on you as a leader. Uh, I mean, you're 36 years old. You probably could have kept playing if you wanted. Why retire now? Yeah. Um, I think it comes to a point in everybody's career where you have to really sit down and do a self-evaluation of, of where you're at um, as far as your professional career and then where you're at as far as life outside of football and for me, uh, family I hold in, in a very high regard. Um, I've been married, you know, for it'd be 12 years in January. We've had we have four beautiful kids, and 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 because of the blessings football has given me, it's given me a lot of freedom when I'm done with playing football financially, uh, relationships as far as other avenues I want to do, and um, all the reasons at this point to come back and play were selfish reasons to continue to to field my passion and desires as far as being a football player, you know. A, feed my ego a pride a little bit as far as people recognizing me as associated me with being an NFL linebacker. And so the reason why I'm really stepping away is to, is to play a supportive role in my family, um, to really be there with my kids 
and be able to do it um, at a high level, quality of life. Um, because I was, as you said, I'm 36. You start playing 37, 38 in the way I play, physicality, you continue to put yourself at risk, at, obviously, as additional head, head issues, um, concussions, CTE, and then also, uh, you know, knees, hips, all those little things that people tend to take for granted, you know, because right now, this past season, it's hard for me to wrestle with my sons, go out and play hoop or just, you know, mess around because I'm sore and grumpy and I don't want to be like that. So it really was a um, – just taking a self-evaluation of what I want to be and what I think is really important, especially at this ages. I have kids that are in the house that are 11, 9, and 5. Mm. And because I have an older daughter in college, I know wow. it, it goes by extremely fast. And so I want to be there and really enjoy these these um, these glory days of, of being there in their childhood. Um, and I don't know if you got a chance to see my daughter perform the national anthem, but she did an awesome job. And so I just want to be around to be able to invest in those moments in their lives, whether it's little league hoops, you know, little league football, or um, and my daughter acting and being at her plays and not being able to miss any of it. So that's kind of where I'm at in, at a, in, in the stage of my career. And then on top of that, being able to, you know, enjoy uh, the fruits that me and my wife have uh, sacrificed for for the last 12 or 15 years and, you know, be able to travel a little bit, be able to spend some time um, and really just grow and, 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 and um have some increasing memories away from the game. Good for you on all those things. I got a couple of things that you said that just triggered immediate thoughts for me, Lorenzo. Number one, you said your daughter with the national anthem doing a great job. Did she sing the anthem? Did I miss something on Saturday yeah, when I was yeah, in Houston yeah, with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She sang the national anthem. So my wife had a kind of indication that this is going to most likely be uh, our last year. And so back in June, she asked the team if uh, my youngest daughter, Zoe, would, would be able to sing the national anthem. And so she they surprised me uh, when we played the Jets, my last home game. Um, with her singing the national anthem, and it was a beautiful thing. Brought ah. me and my teammates to tears, and so it was just a a cool um, atmosphere and a and a um, an experience to have. You know, having one of your children sing the national anthem and do such a great job with it. So it was awesome. I didn't even know that she sang it. That is an unbelievable thing. I thought you meant in Houston on Saturday during the wild card game, and I'm like, I didn't see a five year old girl singing yeah, the no, national anthem. No. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Uh, so we're good yeah. there, and that's an unbelievable yeah. way to go out in your final regular season game. Now, here's my other question: You mentioned you have a daughter in college, so you're yeah. 36 years old. How old were you when you became a dad? Uh, I became a dad when I married my wife when I was 24. It's my wife's. Uh, daughter ah. from a previous uh, relationship, but I don't differentiate unless somebody asks me, but that's that's how I have a, a daughter that's 24 and I'm 36. Well, I have the same but thing. All right. by, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I married a woman who had a child with a man who lost his life, unfortunately, tragically on 9-11, and I don't think of him as my stepson. I think of him as my son, just like you think right. of your daughter yep. as your daughter, I'm sure. Yep, exactly. That's how, That's how we operate. That, that's the way to go. So what you mentioned, all those things, a lot of family time. Is there anything that you want to do, professionally speaking, still in the next chapter right. of your life? Yeah, there's some things that I definitely have the opportunity to do. You know, since I've been in the league, I've, I've definitely kind of branched off into the broadcasting world, um, done a lot of media, whether it's TV or radio, and I really enjoy that. Obviously, it keeps me around the game engaged, uh, you know, uh, build those additional relationships, and I continue to do something or at least speak about something that I love. So. We'll see whether I do something in Phoenix. Um, there's several other outlets out there that I'll have a chance to at least have an interview with. Um, you know, probably really starting down here at, at Media Row um, during the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well. And then I have some other things I want to do with my foundation as far as mentoring kids as well while um, 
while I'm in this transition process as well. So a um, couple of things on the horizon, and we just kind of have to take our time and, and see how everything lays out. And for those who don't know, you established the ACES Foundation, where your mission is to support youth through emphasizing accountability, taking pride in the community, striving for educational excellence, while promoting a healthy mind, body, and spirit through sports. Did I get that right, Lorenzo? Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. I mean, those are the, the really the four pillars of my life that have allowed me to be successful, and I'm just trying to embark and, and transition that same type of wisdom and pay it forward to the next generation, especially in in households that don't have a father or, or in, you know maybe with grandparents or don't have the economic resources um, and to gain access. And so, just trying to fill the gaps where I can and doing different programs and different collaborations in the various cities that I've been in. And so. That's really the passion, um, my true passion, is just serving the community, especially uh, young men and women that come from neighborhoods um, that that I grew up in. Which is what? What kind of neighborhood did you grow up in? I, you know, I'm from Oakland, California, inner city. Uh, grew up with a single parent. Uh, my mom did an excellent job, but um, obviously my uncle stepped in as well. But, I mean, I have cousins that, you know, went to prison, you know, selling dope, gang violence, shootings. And so um, that's not obviously the ideal situation to raise a kid up in, and, and it takes a village to really overcome that environment. And so I just try to provide resources and programming and, and, and enhance what other people have already are already doing um, to help these these young people. Uh, because oftentimes you can identify yourself and be identified by other people by where you come from. And um, I'm a testament to it, and multiple other guys that come from Oakland, similar um, inner cities, is that. We all have the ability to overcome that. We have a great spirit inside of us um, that is not a fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. If you have the right people cultivating that in you, uh, you can achieve great things and not get caught up in the short-sightedness of what some some of the other things may bring you immediately, you know, as far as maybe money, uh, women, cars, and stuff that are, that's not really legacy-based. And so I just try to help people, obviously, with the, the resources, but also their mind and, and how they view and pers- their perspective on the world and, and, and who they are and how they fit in it. How did you manage to avoid some of those pitfalls that other family members did not get through? Um, <clears throat> I mentioned, I mean, my uncle Stephen Moore uh, was probably the, the most vital figure in that because he played that father figure role. He'll never claim to that, but that's the way I look at him, the way I love him, and especially because he had three daughters, had his own family, and being a, a family man now, I just know how much time that takes to now add an additional child that you really care about to pour into. And then amongst the other uh, coaches that I had, um, I even had a cousin that was, that, that was in that lifestyle to really step up and didn't allow me to even partake in any of it. And he was a couple of years older than me, and he used to always threaten me, hey, man, if I catch you out here in the streets, uh, it's going to be me and you. And so he was older, bigger. I was scared of him in a, in a sense. And so I have a lot of um, gratitude for what he did for me as well, not uh, not inviting me into that but pushing me away. And so I've just been blessed, you know, just to have people like that to really look out for me and, and seeing that I had something um, special on my life. And so that's how I was able to avoid it. You know, it wasn't because I was just a great person, but I had people steering me in the right direction. Those men did a great job, and more important, you did a great job. And you're to be commended. I mean, it's just outstanding the career that you've put together, the impact that you've had, the lives, the lives that you've helped shape, all those things is a testament to you, and it's why you're a five-time Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, including each of the last three seasons with the Bills. How did you not win that award? <laughs> it's been great men every year. I mean, you think about the guys that have been up for it. I mean, Thomas Davis, Larry Fitzgerald, um, uh, Chris Long won it last year. Um, I mean, so there's a lot of guys, Peanut Tillman. Yeah. 
a lot of great men in our league, and um, I think that oftentimes gets overlooked. And so it's just it's just cool to be a nominee and represent obviously the men in my locker room, but represent the men in our league and all the great work that we do. And so I know we have a, a several guys that are up again this year that have been uh, lifelong um, committed to the community. You know, I think about a, a Kyle Rudolph who's back up, uh, a Richard Sherman, um, guys that I know and, 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 and really respect. And so, you know, it's great to win it, but uh, we're all doing great work regardless of who comes home with the, the actual right. Um, award. Right. You're all winners, but it would be great if you could win it in your final NFL season this year. At the yeah, it'd be awesome. I mean, obviously it brings additional resources to the Buffalo and Oakland community, and so it, 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 it would be great to have that recognition, you know, kind of bestowed on me. You bring up the Buffalo and Oakland communities. Where will you live now that your NFL career is over? Yeah, we uh, actually be in Phoenix. Um, you know, I, had a, I played a couple of years there. I uh, really love that area. Obviously, it's warm for the most part year-round. And, you know, being an old, beat-up guy, it's, it's always great to wake up to some warmth um, for your joints. Cost of living is great. It's a, it's a lot of NFL players. I have a lot of friends that have – uh, that reside there now, and so we have like a natural community kind of built up for us uh, because that is the hardest thing as you transition. It's the locker room aspect that you get every single day, and so it's great to kind of have that kind of already set up um, in the, the Phoenix area for us, and so we're very excited about that that move and getting out there and here in the next couple of weeks. Well, I love that area. That's a great area, Phoenix. Yeah. You have to get around the golf in with you at some point or something like that. I know well, you play. Do you play? Yeah, I play a little bit. I'm going to play a lot more than I'm done. I can, you know, focus because it's, it's hard to get out there and walk a course and swing a club. I, I used to be sore all the time, so I'm looking forward to it. You know, earlier in the podcast I had on Jerry Rice, we made a plan to go to the Peloton Studios in New York City together. I want to make a plan with Lorenzo Alexander to play around the golf with him at some point in time when our paths yeah, cross. Okay. You're going to go Peloton? I Peloton, too. That's, you know, I'm, I'm into all that stuff. I got one at the house. Oh, isn't it awesome? And Jerry and I were talking it's about awesome. that. Who's your favorite instructor? Um, I love Alex and uh, probably Ali Love. Those are my two go-to. Um, I'll throw some Robin in there from once in a while, but uh, when I really want to get after it, it's, it's Alex. Man. He's, Alex Tucson uh, is the man, right? He's on another. He's on another level. Yeah, that he's phenomenal. And you know what? It was funny. One day I was on there and he responded to one of my Instagram stories, and I'm like. Alex Tucson, the man himself, <laughs> responding to one of my stories. So like, it was a big thrill for me. Right, yeah, yeah, that's dope right there, man. Yeah, he, it, it, it was pretty neat to hear that. Okay, before I let you go, Lorenzo, I have to ask you your thoughts on this Buffalo Bills team, a bitter loss on Saturday. Right. One of these years, the fans there will get the joy of winning another playoff game, but what do you think the future holds for this Buffalo Bills team in the direction it's now under with the players it has? Yeah, it, the, the organization is definitely primed to, to repeat what we did this year, is having that success and take it the next step and win a playoff game. And the reason why I say that is because of just the young talent that is on that team, you know, kind of headlined by obviously Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Davis White, and then they have some great veterans, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. Um, you're going to have guys like John Brown coming back, Cole Beasley. The offensive line is going to be solidified. Cause hopefully they bring uh, uh, Spain back, Quentin Spain back. And with all those guys I'm naming, the young, vibrant, talented guys unlike that year when we went to the playoffs in 2017 we were kind of like a a mosh bag of just players and talent that we kind of pieced together and we were able to you know because we had some veteran leadership make it this team is young and primed to be together for at least the next three to four years um and so with the cap room that they're going to have this year and then the way that the scouting department and the coaching staff um uh evaluate and bring in players free agency as well as 
draft guys, they're going to make some. I know they're going to make the right moves and add some pieces that's going to help them um, get over that hump and, and really be a, a real contender next year. And by beating those elite teams in the regular season and then taking that into the playoffs with a home playoff game. So that's kind of my prediction. Just kind of looking at it, being on the inside, knowing how Sean has built the team and the culture, and just how the guys have responded. And so there won't be any drop off because I'm not there um, because. I've had an impact, like Kyle Williams had an impact on me with the men in there, and I see several guys stepping up and kind of filling that void, which you need on the team to really bring everybody together, um, especially to deal with um, adversity and, and, and uh, definitely exceed what we did this season. And before I let you go, Lorenzo, what do you think it will be like when you sit down in your home in Phoenix next September to watch your first NFL game, probably the Buffalo Bills? What right. will be your reaction as you watch your former team go to work without you? Um, it, it'd probably be a little bittersweet. Um, obviously, I love to go out there and compete, but I know what it feels like Monday through Saturday on my body. So um, I'll be uh, happy in one regard and sad in the other. Um, but I'll definitely be happy and rooting for him. So I'm not. Uh, it hasn't quite hit me yet, you know, because right now it kind of feels like regular all season schedule. So I know I have a couple of hurdles: April, then training camp, and then hopefully by then I'll at least have transition. But um, definitely rooting for those guys and definitely be uh, very excited for any of the success that they have next year. And what if somebody calls you in August, September, huh? says, we have an injury, we need you to replace nah, somebody, help out? No, nah, I ain't doing none of that. Now, if they call me they, like Marshawn, I may come off the bench like Marshawn did, you know, home playoff game. That's what I told Micah Hyde. I said, if y'all can get a home playoff game or maybe in the first round bye, I can come back for three games. The divisional, the AFC Championship, and the Super Bowl. That's, that's probably all I got left in me. So that you do, that you do, that you're open to. <laughs> yeah, I would do that if they called me and they needed somebody uh, off the bench like that. Okay, I'm putting that on the ESPN bottom line right now. That Lorenzo <laughs> Alexander is open to returning in the 2021 season for a playoff run for a contending team. No, no, for the Bills. <laughs> okay, for the Bills. Just yeah, for the, the Bills, right? The Bills. Just the Bills, oh. yeah. <laughs> Let's make that perfectly clear. we got to lay out all the conditions here under which you would come. Right. Yeah, it's, it's very, very particular. The requirements are very <laughs> particular in what, I, what I'll come off the bench for. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that in mind next season if Buffalo happens to suffer a key injury at linebacker or to a special teams player. I'm going to keep you in mind. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep that in mind. We'll keep our golf match in mind. Perhaps we'll take a spin class together with Alex. And, Lorenzo, I want to congratulate you on an outstanding career, uh, more than what you did for the Buffalo Bills and the Oakland Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Redskins. The four teams that you played for for 13 seasons was the work that you did for various people in various communities. Tremendous job. And I wish you luck in the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I am rooting for you at the Super Bowl. No disrespect to any of the other nominees. I appreciate you, brother, man. Thank you for having me on. All right, coming up next is ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan. But first, a word from ZipRecruiter. It's a new year, and you want to keep growing your team, but you need the right tools to help keep your hiring streamlined and efficient. That's where ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP comes in. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com 
slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Cap hit. All right, we now welcome in ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. Welcome back from the holiday break, Evan. Happy New Year. And let's dive into this weekend's divisional playoff games, if that works out okay for you. Let's do it, Adam. Happy New Year to you as well. All right, Saturday, 435 Eastern, Vikings at 49ers. How do we break down this matchup? This one, you you have to start the quarterbacks here. And we know the history with Kirk Cousins and Kyle Shanahan, who he played with Kyle Shanahan when Shanahan was the OC in uh, Cousins' first few years in Washington. And and certainly there were talks that Cousins would potentially go out there to become the 49ers quarterback when Shanahan got the head coaching job. Mm -hmm. Now you look at Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo this season. Both completed 69.1% of their passes. Jimmy Garoppolo threw 27 touchdowns. Cousins, 26. Cousins had a total QBR of 58.8. Garoppolo, a QBR of 58.7. You look at both teams built around the running game, play-action passing. You see a lot of similarities between these two teams. But what really stands out for me, Adam, for this Sunday is which offensive line can stop the defensive line's pass rush. I think that will be the key to this game. We, we saw in the wild-card playoffs in New Orleans how Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, they completely threw the Saints off their game with that offense early in the game. The Saints eventually got their footing. But I think the early disruption of Drew Brees completely threw the Saints off base. The 49ers have a similar uh, impressive pass rush when you look at Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner. I think, and and as we go through these four matchups, I'll kind of give a key for each one. I think that will be the key Saturday afternoon, which offensive line can stop the opposing pass rush. I think I think that's going to be the key to the game. And how do you and who who has the advantage? Well, I think that look, it, it it'll be tough for the Vikings to beat two 13-win teams on the road. We've never seen that happen in the wild card and the divisional round. It's happened later on in the playoffs. But to start a playoff run beating two 13-win teams, I think the 49ers will do enough to slow down Hunter and Griffin, and they will move on to the NFC Championship. Oh, but there it is, huh? Wow. that, that That's quite a prediction right there. What, do you disagree? Well, I think you have to favor the 49ers. Right. Just think about it like this, Evan. The Vikings went into New Orleans... Tough physical game, mm-hmm. short week, travel there. Very short week. Travel back. Mm-hmm. Have to go to the coast now. Right. And give Kyle Shanahan two weeks, that's a problem for anybody. I just think that he's going to be able to move that football. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. Although I will say, I, I, as hard as it is physically on wild card teams to play that much, I, I think we've seen an awful lot. Sometimes a team wins in the wild card round and really gets a lot of momentum yes. going and carries it right into the divisional round. And that's something that every one of these home teams this weekend, I, I think, has to watch out for. I agree completely. And especially in the case of a team like the Vikings, who didn't end the season on the greatest note. In Week 16 on Monday Night Football, we saw that disappointing performance against the Packers. They sat most of their starters in Week 17. So it's not like they came into the playoffs with a ton of momentum. Mm-hmm. But then they have gained all of that momentum with the upset win over the Saints. So I agree with you. I, I think they could be coming. And also keep this in mind. This is Jimmy Garoppolo's first career playoff start. <laughs> How as, about that? As great as the 49ers have been all season, as impressive as he has been, especially later in the season, this is his first career playoff start. We know what happens sometimes when quarterbacks get under those bright lights in the postseason. Yeah, you just don't know how he's going to play. We have no body of evidence to compare it to, and so we will find out Saturday, 435, when the Vikings play at San Francisco, an early start in the Bay Area, 135 Pacific time. That night, 
We have the Titans at the Ravens, 8-15 Eastern. How do we break down this matchup, Evan? This will be fun, and I think this this really gives us kind of an old-school feel with this game yeah. when you talk about the running games, right? So the NFL's leading rusher in Derrick Henry, who we saw what he did in the wild card round against the Patriots, against the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who will win the NFL MVP and broke the record for quarterback rushing yards in a season. The Ravens led the NFL in rushing. The Titans were third. The teams combined for more than 5,500 rushing yards this season, which is crazy. So you talk about a key in this game, it'll be who's going to stop the run better. I mean, I think that will have a direct effect on who's going to win. If the Titans can go in there and slow down Lamar Jackson and that impressive Ravens running game, they'll, they'll have a chance. I don't know that they can do it, though. Yeah, You know what's interesting is Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the season. But Derrick Henry might be the MVP of the past month. Absolutely. It's the second straight year that he's gotten better and stronger as the year has gone on. And it's almost like a big-bodied running back like that. Defenders don't want as much of a part of him later in the year. He gets stronger. Everyone gets more tired. And that works to the advantage of somebody as big and tough as Derrick Henry. Absolutely. And and you look at him with yards after contact as well. He leads the NFL in in that stat in addition to the, the total rushing yards. And as you said, tough for him to tackle. He put up a great performance in the wild card round. But I think sometimes what people are forgetting with the Ravens, with, with all the, uh, the the deserved hysteria around Lamar Jackson, that offense, is this defense was third in the NFL in scoring defense. I remember we talked back before free agency, before the 2019 draft, about all the defensive players that the Ravens lost. <laughs> Zadarius Smith and Terrell Suggs and Eric Weddle and C.J. Mosley. Well, they've retooled that defense, a lot of which is since the – the trade for Marcus Peters, who has really shored things up on the back end. And that defense, they blitz a ton. 54% of dropbacks, they're sending a blitz, which is by far the highest rate we've seen in the last decade. And third in scoring defense, that speaks speaks volumes. So this is a balanced team. There's a reason they won 14 games, Adam, right? It wasn't just on one side of the ball. So the Titans, they beat the Patriots. I think it's going to be a tough task for them to go into Baltimore and win again. I agree with that. I just think this Baltimore team is just rolling along. It's... It's a great team. They've won 12 straight games. The last time they lost was September 29th. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a tough out for the Tennessee Titans on Saturday night. Baltimore's just rolling right now. All right, what about on Sunday? Let's shift our attention to Texans at Chiefs, 3.05 Eastern Sunday. What do we make of that matchup? This is going to be a fun game, I think, with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. The second career meeting between them, they met earlier this season in Week 6 when the Texans went in there and won. We talked about the similarities between them before that game. They continue now. They were born three days apart. They have the same number of touchdown passes this season. They were both named to the Pro Bowl. And, again, we'll talk about a key in this game. It's going to be which team can slow down the opposing quarterback when the play breaks down. Over the last two seasons, they have the most completions in the NFL when they're under pressure. Mahomes won, Watson two. So that is going to be critical in terms of when this play breaks down, which defense has a is, does a better job of slowing down the quarterback. How much credence do you put into the fact that Houston was able to beat Kansas City earlier in the season? I think because of where the game was, the fact that it was at Arrowhead, I put something into it because we know they weren't as good at home this season as they've been in, in, in some years past, but that's one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. So the fact that Deshaun Watson, in only his third year in the NFL, was able to go in there and get a win, they put up 31 points. It, it should have been more if you remember the game. They dropped... DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller both had a couple of drops that could have been touchdowns. So that was a seven-point yeah. game and could have been much worse. So that was a game that the Texans really dominated. I think psychologically, when you go into a place that's tough to play that historically has a great home field advantage, having a win earlier this season, I think it means a lot. 
You know, it's interesting. I don't think it could be completely dismissed. Look, Seattle went into Philadelphia earlier this year mm-hmm. and won the game 17-9. They go back in the playoffs and right. win 17-9. Right. Again, exactly. same score. Yeah, that was wild. Okay, so, I mean, that's just how those two teams matched up. Now, I know Carson Wentz got hurt on Sunday, and that changed the dynamic, but it's the same score twice with right. the same two teams, right? So there has to be something that tells me that Houston is capable of, of going in there and playing a good game. I'm not telling you that the Texans are going to win the game, but they're capable of playing good enough to be competitive and have a chance to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I agree. Doesn't This feels a little bit like like a Chiefs year, though. It just does. It does. I don't know. And, and, and the there's defense. No belt, there's no be- and the defense, yes. the defense. playing much better. In the last six games, they've given up. They've allowed 11.5 points per game. That's the best in the NFL from week 11 to 17. I mean, yeah. it, yes, it's easy to get... Uh, wrapped up in Patrick Mahomes and the offense and Kelsey and Hill and everybody. But this defense, and there's no Patriots, it just feels to me like this might be a a year that Andy Reid gets back to the Super Bowl. I don't disagree with that, and it sets up a potential AFC Championship game that would be unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, that's no disrespect to Houston or Tennessee. They've had great seasons, and they will have a chance this week, and if they can pull the upset, good for them. Right. But we got the... Uh, we've got the Ravens as a heavy favorite. We've got the Chiefs as a heavy favorite. We'll see if the heavy favorites can live up to what Vegas expects of them and set up a great AFC Championship game. All right, the final game of Divisional Playoff Weekend, Seattle at Green Bay, 640 Eastern, Sunday night. What do we make of that one, Evan? This one, you, you've got the two quarterbacks left in this playoff that, that have some experience as opposed to the six others. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson with nine wins each. In their postseason careers, you'll get the six other quarterbacks. They've combined for four wins. So this, there's experience here. They've both won Super Bowls. It's the eighth meeting, including the playoffs between Wilson and Rodgers. The home team has won all seven of the previous meetings. Russell Wilson has never won at Lambeau Field. But the thing to counter that, Wilson has been great in his career against Super Bowl winners, 15-6 and six against Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Hmm. That is the best winning percentage among quarterbacks with at least 10 starts in the Super Bowl era. So this one, there's a lot of great history. These teams have been involved in some historical matchups in the NFC Championship back in 2014. The Packers had a huge lead in Seattle, 16 nothing. Seahawks were able to come back and advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, again, yeah. this 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 one, this it, it's almost fitting, right, that this is the last matchup of the weekend because it'll you'll kind of build up to it, right? You've got a lot of other quarterbacks either making their first start or their second start, trying to advance to their. Uh, first, maybe conference championship, and then you, you end the weekend with Lambeau Field, divisional round, two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. It yeah. just has that; it, it gives you that that good feel about divisional weekend. Right, it'll be Sunday night. It'll be cold or right. dark. Yep. And you got Russell Wilson going back to Wisconsin. And the mm-hmm. one thing about Seattle is the Seahawks have been a better road team than they've been a home team this they're, year. They're eight and one and on they the road. They continued it on Sunday. They're eight and one on the road. Exactly. Yep. They, yeah. They've been they've been extraordinarily tough. And on and the road. and the so, and the whole narrative about West Coast teams not being able to travel just doesn't doesn't uh, work for them. They're they're only the one loss was on the West Coast against the Rams in Los Angeles. So any time they've really had to travel outside of their time zone, they've won this season. I don't think that's going to be what what prevents them from winning this game against the Packers. Hey, Evan, we really appreciate the breakdown of the divisional matchup games this weekend. Should be a great weekend. We'll look forward to talking to you to review those games this weekend and to preview the conference championship games on next week's podcast. Thanks, Adam. Looking forward to it.
And so there's ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan. Special thanks to him. Special thanks to the outstanding former Buffalo Bills linebacker Lorenzo Alexander as he ventures into the next chapter of his life. And I'm sure great things await him, much as they awaited him and he experienced them during his great 13-year NFL career. And special thanks to the greatest wide receiver we've ever seen play the game, Jerry Rice, for breaking down what it's like in the Bay Area and looking ahead to the 49ers matchup this weekend. And special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we look ahead to the conference championship round, and we are joined by the great Dolphins legend, Dan Marino, who will talk about what awaits the teams that go to the Super Bowl in Miami this year. Thanks for listening this week, everybody. Talk to you next week.